resting place for me and his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. 
So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You 
remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why? Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> I want to welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship this morning. And we're gathered in this house to experience the goodness of God and the grace of God and His power. And Father, we're so grateful and thankful for this day that you have made. Lord, we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. We're going to put our trust in you, Father, because you always cause us to triumph. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. And we just love you and bless you this morning. We welcome your presence here in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Stand together.
Come on, you have to see yourself as full of light. The light of Jesus lives inside of you. In the spirit realm, you are a big ball of light. Come on, you have to see yourself like this. The enemy is terrified of you. Sickness and disease runs from you. Hallelujah. Everything that wants to come inside has to bow to the light of Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you in this house. shine upon be gracious to you Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace let's sing it again Lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious Lord, turn his face towards you and give Amen. Amen. Come 
break at the weight of your glory. Let your fire and love consume every part of me. Lord, search deep within me. Find anything online and make it new. I want to be consumed by you. I want to be touched by you. I want to carry out the plan you have for me. I want to be consumed by you. I want to be touched by you. I want to carry out the plan you have for me. Change me. Change break at the weight of your glory. Fire and love consume every part of me. Lord, search deep within me. Find anything on right and make it do. I want to be consumed by you. I want to be satisfied. I want to carry out the plan you have for me.
so grateful and thankful that you are here with us in our midst. You have brought us together, Father, to give us a grace impartate, a grace deposit, divine impartation. And we thank you as you speak to us. For my word is forever established in heaven. The words that I wrote in my book are as true and powerful as when I spoke them and brought this world into being. My word is a firm foundation. It will never let you down. You can take me at my word, says the Lord. Put your trust in my word. Believe in my word. Stand in my word. For it will never let you down. It will never fail to accomplish what I've set it out to accomplish. Hallelujah. Say, I believe the living word of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. 
Well, you may be seated. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lisa. Amen. Well, that's better, though. <laughs> Listen, while we were singing, I want uh, the, bless, the, the blessing, the song, the blessing. You have to start seeing your conversations between you and God. And he's looking at you face to face as you're, you're making that. You have the words now. You can take it home. Look at it. Um, and you're talking with God. You and him are having a conversation. They should never, your face should never be turned the other way. Having a conversation with the enemy. That's what went wrong with Adam and Eve. Their faces were turned the other way. We have conversations with God. Everybody else has to listen to our commands. We don't listen to their instructions. Every other thing. Amen? Can you see this? Or am I the only one seeing it? We have authority over the enemy. Mm-hmm. It means the enemy doesn't tell us what to do or yes. who we are. We tell the enemy who he is or she, however, whoever the enemy decides to use. And we tell them what happens. We don't, they don't tell us what happens. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is how we take our authority yes. in Jesus. Because he's dwelling in us. Do you think Jesus would stand there? You remember Jesus answered Judas's thoughts about money. About poor people and money. Jesus answered his thoughts. You never take instructions or anything from the enemy. You always tell the enemy no and go. <laughs> Amen? Amen. In, in light of that... Um when I uh, attended a church in Illinois, uh, the pastor had it on his heart to have a ministry to go into inner cities. I grew up in a town just slightly, a little bit, uh, with a little bit more people in it than Palmyra, about 10,000 people. And uh, anyway, we went into these inner cities from our small town and preached the gospel. And one time we were in Atlanta, Georgia, in... Uh, an area of outside of Atlanta called Techwood. It was the worst housing development in that area. And uh, what we would do is we would set up music, and we would cover a two-block radius or so. And uh, music would be playing, and then you know we would go out two by two and just greet people, talk to them about Jesus. And uh, anyway, there was this a young Christian, and he came to me and he said, "How are you with devils?" And I said, well, I've dealt with them before. And so um, we went to this uh, housing development, and it had an iron fence around it, okay? And there was this person sitting on there, you know, like those gargoyles you see? And 
Out of the clear blue, I didn't even know what was going on. I went up to the fence, I pointed my finger, and I said, the devil's a liar. And the guy says, oh yeah, I'm coming out there. So he came out the front door, he walked down the sidewalk, he tried to kick me, but his foot was stopped in midair. No kidding. This, this actually happened to me. And uh, he was growling. He was like, you know. And I just started taking my authority in the name of Jesus. Just the Holy Spirit began to bring scriptures about authority to my mind. And I began to speak them out. And we were kind of going back and forth. And I said, in the name of Jesus, you need to go. He went like this. He turned around. He walked back, back through the front door, sat down behind the gate, and it was like he was useless. Right? Now, we know that we have authority. Amen? Amen. And if someone is being, um, if someone is being used by the devil like this man was, yes. they can choose to be delivered and set free because we have the power of deliverance. Amen? But if they don't want to be, then that's another thing. You don't have to be, everybody has their own will. Right? The man with the legion, the man who had the legion of demons in him, came to Jesus yes. and worshipped him. And Jesus set him free. Okay? My point is, though, if you're not careful, the people around you that are in darkness can pull you into darkness. Mm -hmm. And you have this mixture going on. You're in light. You're in darkness. You're in light. You're in darkness. You have to know you are in light. And you have the light of God in you. You have to use your authority of light. This is your personal responsibility. Pastor Doug can't do it for me and I can't do it for him. We can support each other. But I have a responsibility as a human being. What I allow to transpire through me. Amen. As do we all. We're here on this earth because we're created in the image of God, and this is how he designed the earth, to have images of him on the earth. Yes. To walk with authority like he does. Every other thing on the earth has to bow to us. Don't forget this, amen? So you're not working your way up to having more power over the devil. You already do. Amen? The minute you're born again, you have all the authority that Jesus had over yeah, the you. Yeah, because it's his authority we're yes. using. His name is what brings us back in right standing with God. Yes. That's what it is. It can't get any more or any less. It's his name. That's it. Amen? When you get, when you get a realization of this, you, you don't have to be concerned, well, I'm not like spiritual like this person, that person. All you need to know is you have authority in the name of Jesus. Amen? Yes. All right, we'll do our confession. Yes, we're going to make our confession of faith about having victory and overcoming. So we're going to do this old school. I'll yep. say it and you guys repeat it, all right? Our victory comes through faith in God. Our victory comes through faith in God. And obedience to his word. And obedience to his word. The Lord does marvelous things for us. The Lord does marvelous things for us. And by his right hand. And by his right hand. And holy arm. And holy arm. We gain the victory. We gain the victory. The Lord makes us victorious. The Lord makes us victorious. Wherever we go. Wherever we go. 
Our victory comes to us. Our victory comes to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are thankful to him. And we are thankful to him. We overcome our accuser. We overcome our accuser. The devil. The devil. By the blood of the lamb. By the blood of the lamb. And the word of our testimony. The word of our testimony. And we do not fear death. And we do not fear death. Because I am born of God. Because I am born of God. I overcome the world. I overcome the world. My victory over the world. My victory over over the world is my faith in Jesus is my faith in Jesus as the son of God as the son of God as an overcomer as an overcomer I partake in eternal life I partake of eternal life and I am rescued from hell and I am rescued from hell as an overcomer as an overcomer I partake in heavenly bread I partake in heavenly bread and I have power over the nation and I have power over the nation as an overcomer as an overcomer I am clothed in pure white I am clothed and pure white and my name is written in the in the book of life and my name is written in the book of life in all these things in all these things we are more than victorious we are more than victorious through him who loves us through him who loves us we are persuaded we are persuaded that not even death or life that not even death or life angels or rulers angels or rulers things present or things to come things present or things to come hostile powers hostile powers Height or depth, height or depth, or any other created thing, or any other created thing, will have the power, will have the power to separate us from the love of God, to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. At victory, at victory, our vision, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls, is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, with the message of salvation, hope and inheritance, hope and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God. To build a strong body of believers. To build a strong body of believers. And to encourage relationships. And to encourage relationships. In a loving atmosphere. In a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word. We activate God's word. To go into all the world. To go into all the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. And preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship. At Victory Christian Fellowship. We are. We are. Inheriting God's promises. Inheriting. God's promises and experiencing their benefits and experiencing their benefits. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, we want to thank you for being here uh, today. It's good to be in God's house with God's people. Amen. And if you're wondering why we're not so full, we got some people who are recovering who are winning the good fight of faith, right? Who are getting stronger and stronger and strengthened. And uh, Father, we just give you thanks and praise right now for the blood of Jesus, for the word of God that knows no limit, Lord. You can go into places. And Lord, we give you thanks and praise that your blood covers every one of VCF. Lord, your word has been sent to them and it's strengthening them, working mightily in them. Lord, and we give you thanks and praise and we declare the glory of God and the work that your word does in us, through us and to us, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Of course, at VCF, every time we come together, there's always an opportunity to invest in God's kingdom. Amen. And uh, what will God do when you invest in his kingdom, he will receive your seed.
And then he will multiply that seed and he will give it back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. He will cause men to give into your bosom. Amen. So, Father, I speak a blessing over every gift and giver that comes to VCF, Father, in honor of you, in love for you. And I thank you, Lord, that the giver and the gift are both blessed and multiplied and increased by you. And we give you thanks and praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You can do, do that anytime during the service. Our seed planner is over there as you come in or there by the bookstore. If you need to do it by a card, you can do it through the bookstore. Or if you want to go online, if you're watching, that's a great way to do it. Go online to our website and it offers you a secure uh, way to do that. A lot of people take advantage of that and we're grateful. Amen. We serve a good God. Awesome. And we're glad to have kids here this morning. Kids, are you ready? For a dynamic, wonderful, incredible uh, teaching session with our anointed workers. Amen. So kids, we want you to have a good class. Amen. Learn about Jesus. Treat everybody with respect. Have a great time in the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you thanks and praise and glory. We bless your holy name, Lord Jesus. Well, I'm glad that you're here this morning. Are you glad that you're here this morning? How many are glad that you're here this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. This is not just something we do on a Sunday. It's not a club. But this is an encounter group. What are you going to encounter? You're going to encounter God through his word and through his spirit. Amen. Well, the other day I was reading in the book of Deuteronomy. It's one of my favorite Old Testament books, and um, it's also known as the second law. And as I was reading, I saw the word generation. And I don't know if you're like me, but if you've ever read the Bible and you go down a rabbit hole, rabbit trail, right? You follow something else other than what you were reading. And that's where God took me and I... I began to see what the Bible has to say about a generation. And I was really amazed at what the Bible has to say. This morning, you're going to be given an opportunity to make a decision about what generation you want to be. Amen? And I'm going to give you what generation not to be first. And what generation you should be next. That way your ears are left with something good. And it flushes out the bad. But you know, a generation is a period of time. From a man and he has an offspring. And the time varies, but it could be like, Anywhere between 30 and 40 years. But it's a significant period of time. And I want you to go to the book of Lamentations. Chapter 5. See, God is interested in generations. When he wanted to start a family, he was thinking multiple families. Not just one family, 
but families that would fill the earth. So God thinks in terms of generations. Now, some of you, you know, there's a term called the greatest generation, right? They were born from uh, the period of uh, early 1900s to 1920s. And, uh, you know, they were involved in World War I. They experienced the Great Depression. And, and they're known as the greatest generation. But you know what? The greatest generation is the one who follows God. I'm not saying that they didn't. But I'm just talking. I'm just talking. I'm not going to let the world define what's great. We're going to let the word define what's great. You know, you've got to be careful between the definition of the world and the definition of the word. One letter, one letter difference, but it's a big difference in doctrine and philosophy. And Lamentations, chapter 5, verse 19. It says, but you, O Lord, reign forever. How long? Your throne endures from generation to generation. Amen? So God's concerned about generations. What did he tell Abraham? He said, I'm going to make you a father of what? Many nations. And God established a covenant with Abraham. And any generation that's been established for three generations, it's going to be perpetual. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're forever, aren't they? But then you have... The line that we're probably called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? That's a ge- People are still talking about the, that generation, Abraham, Isaac, and, Je- and Jacob, right? Jacob became Israel. Israel's a nation, right? I went to a Bible school called Rama in Tulsa, Oklahoma, actually Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And do you realize that they have three generations? The third generation is doing a lot of the stuff now. And at one point, there were three generations altogether. You know, back in, 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 in uh, years ago, a lot of generations grew up together in the same household, right? And you could learn from the first generation. The first generation could teach the third generation. My parents were just here for a visit, so we had three generations in a household. My parents, me, and, my, and our sons. All right? Say, God's concerned about generations. He wants his dominion, his will, and his word to be done in every generation. And he wants the generation that gets a hold of his truth to tell the next generation. All right? So which generation are you? Or which generation will you be? Will you be an evil generation? See, here's the thing. Before you be a generation, you've got to decide what kind of person you're going to be. And before a generation ever begins, you've got to decide what are you going to do with God? Every one of us has the opportunity to either accept or reject the Lord. Right? And... When someone accepts the Lord, they have set up their generation and they can pass their experience, their knowledge of God, their encounters with God to the next generation. 
And remember, there was a time when we didn't have things that were written down. And they had to be communicated verbally or audibly. There are still some nations in the world that are audible learners because they don't have many things written down. But God is interested in preserving his truth from generation to generation. His faithfulness from generation to generation. His goodness from generation to generation. Go with me to Numbers chapter 32. Numbers chapter 32. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be an evil generation. And verse 13, the Bible says, everybody say the Bible says, the Lord's anger was kindled against the sons of Israel and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until the entire what? Generation of those who had done what? Evil in the sight of the Lord was destroyed. Now that generation, they chose to not believe God. They chose to not honor his truth. They chose to not take God at his word. Let me tell you something today. God just wants some people who will take him at his word. Let's just take God at his word. What he said is true. What he said is so. Therefore, I believe it, and that settles it. Amen? The Bible described that group of people as an evil generation. People who don't believe God. People who don't trust God. You know, God gave us the greatest tools to face every challenge in life, his word and his spirit. There's nothing in life that you will ever face that this book has not dealt with. Amen? So he called them an evil generation. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1. And I'm reading from the Amplified Bible this morning. But you'll get the gist of it. Deuteronomy 1, verses 34 to 36. It's basically reiterating what he said in Numbers. The Lord heard the sound of your words, and he was angry. Say, God listens to words. He does. And took an oath, saying, Not one of these men, this evil generation, shall see the good land which I swore to give to their fathers. Except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him and to his children, I will give the land on which he has walked, because he has followed the Lord completely. Everybody say completely. Isn't that interesting? One generation was not so good, but there was someone within that generation who believed God. Do you realize that when you get a hold of God and when God gets a hold of you, you can change your generation. You will never change your generation by good works. Or by the greatest philanthropy that you could ever Put forward. You can only change a generation with the power of God. And the name of Jesus. 
And God is looking for some people like Paul and said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed to talk about it. I'm not ashamed to live it. I'm not ashamed to do it. I'm not ashamed to share it. I didn't know how this is all going to come about, but it's, it's going. Hallelujah. So don't be an evil. Go to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Verse 38. Jesus even spoke about generations. Look at verse 38, Matthew 12. There were some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign. Oh, I've met some sign seekers. They go here to see a sign. They go there to see a sign. They go over there to see a sign. But you know what? They miss all the signs. See, when you look for a sign, you're going to miss it. But when you look for him, you're going to find it. Seeking a sign from you. Proving that you are what you claim to be. But he replied to them, an evil and adulterous generation, morally unfaithful to God, prays and demands a sign. What kind of generation? An evil and adulterous. Those are ones that are seeking a sign. In other words, I'm not going to believe God until you prove me to, until you prove to me who you are. God doesn't have to prove himself. He already did. You know, the world you're walking on, it just didn't come about. It was created. You know that breath you breathe? Aren't you glad we don't have to think about breathing? God created it that way. Right? He made your brain to function, your heart to beat. Amen? He doesn't have to prove himself. You have to believe who he is. All the proof that you're going to get is him saying what God said. All right? So then he says... But no sign will be given to them except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be uh, three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up as witnesses at the judgment against this generation. And we'll condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. What's going to change a generation? How you respond to the word. See, people go on living in sin. And they don't think that they need to repent of it. They just think that they're going to be okay. No. God put repentance in the Bible. It was the first message Jesus preached. First message John the Baptist preached. First message Peter preached. That sounds to me like it's pretty important. It just simply is an opportunity to change your direction from going to destruction to going to life. Alright? But yeah, Nineveh We'll go against this because they, did Nineveh ask for a sign? The message they heard was this, your city is going to be destroyed in three days, or in 40 days. They didn't ask for a sign, what did they do? They changed their heart. Guess what? They saved their city. How many want to save their generation? How many want to share what you've experienced with the next generation coming up, Amen. 
Hallelujah. All right? You don't want to be a dead generation. Right? Listen, I was delivered from the first church of the frozen chosen. And I like things that are lively more than I like things that are dead. Things that are alive are a lot more fun. Right? Go to Deuteronomy chapter 2. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Are you following along? See, before we ever had overheads, there's, there's a thing called the Bible. Right? It's got pages and words on it. You know, uh, I saw a cartoon and uh, it was this uh, younger kid with their grandmother and they said, what did you used to tell us? Hang up the phone, you know, and then I saw another little cartoon. You know how um, in our neighborhood we have one of those signs that says drive slow. There's a deaf child. Well, in this cartoon it said drive slow child texting. I'm not saying that texting is bad. I'm just saying that's the generation that we live in, right? All right, let's get back into the Word here. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Now, 38 years passed from the time we left, we left Kadesh Barnea until we crossed in the Zered Valley, until that entire generation of men of war had died from within the camp. Everybody say 38 years. It took 38 years for a generation to die. What's happened in the last 38 years in America? What's the direction that America is heading to? Amen? We need to change our generation. We need to change. The, we need some men and women who are going to rise up and believe God and stand strong. Amen? That's what's going to change a generation. So don't be a generation that God has to die. Yet they had to die out before they could go in. How many funerals do you think they had in 38 years? There was two to three million people that left Egypt. And everyone who was 20 and older had to die because they didn't believe God. Thank God for the younger generation, Joshua and Caleb. They believed God and they got to go in. Amen. It makes a difference where you put your faith in. Okay? So don't be, a, don't be a dead generation. Embrace eternal life. You know, in John chapter 6, Jesus told some pretty hard things. He told them that, you know, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part in me. And, uh, you know, people started, I don't want to be part of this. Right? It got so bad, you can read it in John 6, right, verses the 60s, 60 to 68. It got so bad, so many people left Jesus, everybody say Jesus, that he looked to his disciples and he said, are you going to leave too? But thank God for Peter said, Peter said, where are we going to go? You have the words to eternal life. Our God has the words of eternal life. Amen? All right. You don't want to be a perverse generation. A twisted generation. An impure 
generation. All right, go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Verses 15 to 21. But Jeshurun, you know, that's another name for Israel. Jeshurun. He became fat and kicked. Amplified says he kicked at God. Isn't that what, do you remember when Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus? What did he say? Why are you kicking against the pricks? He was kicking against God. You became fat, thick, sleek, and obstinate. What's obstinate? Hard-headed. Now, I know that no one here has ever been hard-headed. Then he abandoned God who had made him and scorned the rock of his salvation. Now, I know that this is heavy, but that's why I'm saving the good stuff for the last. Right? I'm going to give you some whipped cream at the end. Okay? Notice this, verse 16, they provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. You know, if you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping something. I'm going to say that again. If you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping something. Why? Humans were created to worship. And if you're not worshiping God, you're feeling that worship who, who should go to what you're filling the worship that should go to God with something else. Okay? They denied him the honor and loyalty that is rightfully and uniquely his. With repulsive acts, they provoked him to anger. Who are they provoking? They're provoking God. Well, I thought God is a God of love. And that Christianity is a bed of roses. Well, you forget that God also is a God of judgment. And yes, his love never fails. But if someone has opportunities to, reject, to accept God and they reject it and they reject it and they reject it and they reject it and they reject it, guess what? It gets turned over to judgment. But now judgment doesn't come right away. Mercy always comes before judgment. But God still is a God of judgment. Amen? Yeah, they agree with me right there. <clears throat> they sacrificed to demons and not God. To gods whom they have not known. New gods who came lately, whom your fathers never feared. Oh, the latest, greatest trend. Let's get on the bandwagon of this new next trend that has nothing to do with God. Verse 18, you were mindful, you were unmindful of the rock who bore you and forgot the God who gave you birth. How many people live like they forgot God? Hmm. Verse 19, the Lord saw it and rejected them. Out of indignation with his sons and his daughters, then he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a what? Perverse generation, Amplified says. See, I'm not a perverse generation. They have no faithfulness. 
Oh, we see that a lot today, don't we? No faithfulness. Right? Verse 21. They have made me jealous with what is not God. Did you not know that God's a jealous God? He said, you have no other gods before me. He said, uh, they have provoked me to anger with their idols. God hates idolatry, by the way. And everywhere that there was a place of idolatry, the Israelites were instructed to destroy it. Tear it down, break it down, burn it up. Right? Did you know that you can make anything? <laughs> anything can be an idol. There's a lot of things that we, can, that we make idols in our lives. All right? So they provoke God to anger. That doesn't sound too good, does it? So they're a perverse generation. Go to Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. Like I said, I'm giving you the bad news now so I can give you the good news. How many are excited about good news? It's on the way. It's coming. All right? The printer's printed it. <laughs> no, just kidding. All right, Proverbs 30, verse 11 to 14. See, I'm giving you an opportunity. I'm showing you both sides of a coin today. Which generation are you going to be? You get to decide. God doesn't make, God's not going to make you into a generation. You get to choose what generation you want to be. Amen? All right. Proverbs 30, verses 11 to 14. There is a generation or a class of people that curses its father and does not uh, bless his mother. Sounds to me like we live in a generation like that today in, in a lot of sense. When you see the news or, you know, verse 12, there's a generation that is pure in its own eyes Yet it is not washed from its filthiness. Pure in its own eyes. You know what that's called? Self-righteous. Now, I know that you've never encountered anybody that was self-righteous, right? When they make themselves the standard and they want you to be like them, not like God. Right? That's what the Pharisees were. You know? They were like, how come you eat with unwashed hands? They were so concerned about hand washing. Maybe I better not use that example in today we live in. I've washed my hands so many times. I, mean, I washed my hands. We, we have a funny saying. The other day, uh, I came home and, and Gabriel said, wash your hands. I'm just propagating. I said, I just smiled. I said, that's what I was going to do. You know. But yeah, they were. Complaining that the apostles were eating with unwashed hands. Do you know how much dirt I ate when I was a kid? Accidentally. You know what? I mean, drinking from a, a garden hose, playing outside. And guess what? I'm 51. I'm okay. If you have a little dirt, it's okay. All right. Notice a generation that's pure in its own eyes, but they have not been washed from unfilthiness. They still got it on them. Right? And their eyelids are raised in arrogance. You know, they kind of look down on you. Right? Hmm. 
Verse 14, there is a generation whose teeth are like swords and whose jaw teeth are like knives to devour the afflicted from the earth. They're always criticizing and pointing out the faults and, and backbiting. All right? What kind of generation? That's a perverse generation. See, I'm not a perverse generation. Another mark of a perverse generation is they're unbelieving and faithless. Not faithful, faithless. Right? What does faithless mean? You do less with what you have. Faithful is what? You do more with what you have. Which are you going to be? Are you going to be faithful or faithless? You get to decide. All right? Don't be a generation that God is grieved and disgusted with. (laughs) Go to Psalms 95. Don't be this generation. Did you know, the New Testament says, grieve not the Holy Ghost. If If he tells you not to grieve him, he must be able to be grieved. How can you grieve God? By not doing what he wants, not doing what he says, not believing in him, not believing in his word. That grieves God. Everybody say grieve. And it's not like Charlie Brown, good grief. Psalm 95, verses 8 to 11. Do not harden your hearts and become spiritually dull. When someone starts to harden their hearts... They're dull to spiritual things. They wouldn't recognize the Holy Ghost walking down the aisle with a big red hat on. That's how dull they are. Because they're hard-hearted. Hard-hearted means it leads to dullness. What is dullness? You can't discern spiritual things. You can't hear spiritual truths. You can't be involved in spiritual activity. All right? Do not harden your hearts and become dull as at Meribah. That was, Meribah was a place of strife where they had no water and there was contention. Right? Or at Masa, the place of testing. Alright? In the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, even though they had seen my work of miracles for 40 years. Everybody say for 40 years. Well, guess what? Faith doesn't come from miracles. People witnessed miracles for 40 years and they didn't have faith. So faith must not come from miracles. But I believe in miracles. How many believe in miracles? I appreciate a miracle when it comes, but guess what? We're not supposed to live by miracles. We're supposed to live by faith. Because faith will always produce what you need from God. Okay? For 40 years, notice... Verse 10, I was grieved and disgusted with that generation. God was sorrow. How did he feel when he had to flood the earth? Didn't make him happy. But thank God that someone found righteousness in the midst of a wicked generation. His name was Noah. Thank God that someone got a hold of God so that they could build an ark. Out of all the people that were living at that time, only eight people had any relationship with God. All right, let's get back to this. 
Okay, so I was grieved and disgusted with that generation. And I said, these are people who err in their hearts. <laughs> I got to tell you this. <laughs> well, maybe I better. <laughs> you have to be careful about offense. Oh, I can tell you this. The other day, I was talking to someone and they were all crying and complaining because they've been hurt in church. That's why they haven't been in church for like 10 years. And you know what the Lord told, told me in my heart? I didn't tell it to them, but I should have. There's, I'll tell you what, as a pastor, no one's been more hurt in a church than I have, or that we have. Why? Because we're at the forefront. You can complain all you want about how you've been hurt in church because someone said a bad word. We've been here. We've, we've, been, we've seen the worst of it. There ain't no one that's been hurt in the church more than the pastors have. So quit your complaining about being hurt in the church and get over it. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I mean, one time I was here late. Just happened to, to be here late. And, uh, you know, uh, someone was letting us use a piece of equipment. And we had their permission. And, and I was in the kitchen. And I saw this car pull up in the parking lot and leave. Pull up in the parking lot again and leave. They were hoping that we weren't there. Well, we happened to be there. And they were coming to get their stuff. No notice. No warning. And they come in and the person is screaming at the top of their lungs at me. I mean, screaming. I said, let's sit down and talk about this. And uh, the cohort is like, you know. But they're sitting there screaming. And, you know, you got to be calm when someone's screaming in your face. Right? It's not the easiest thing to do. And, and you know, the person said, I wish you'd have never visited me in the hospital and prayed for me. I'm like, well, I wish I wouldn't have had either. <laughs> Let you die in the hospital. But I took my time out to go pray for you. Seriously, that was what was said to me. I'm not joking. That happened right here in this building like many, many decades ago. Yeah, it was, it was, it was over 10 years, let's see. I was thinking 10 in decades, that's, and guess what? <laughs> you know, I've had to have people that say nasty things about me and then I see them in Walmart. And you know what I do? I say, hello. How are you? I smile. Amen. I, I try to be as nice as I can. I, ha I have no grudge. Long time ago, we decided, Pastor Fiona and I, we're going to love people no matter what. And believe me, we've had marvelous opportunities to quit that we passed up. Amen. Aren't you glad that we're still here? And we ain't going nowhere because we've got, ge we got generations to reach. So, he reiterates the same thing from, from Psalm 95 in Hebrews 3. I don't, I'm not going to go into it. All right? Go to Judges chapter 2. Don't be an ignorant generation. Right? You know, the New Testament has a scripture that says, let the ignorant be ignorant still. I mean, if people want to be ignorant, you can be ignorant. God will let you be ignorant. But I know God is in heaven saying, Michael, ain't, 
Michael, Gabriel, I don't know why they choose to be ignorant. I provided everything that they need to know things, but they want to still be ignorant yet. Judges 2, verse 10. Also, all the people of that generation were gathered to their fathers. That means they died. And another generation arose after them who did not know or understand or recognize the Lord. Not even the work which he had done for Israel. They're ignorant. How could a generation follow up one generation and not know what God has done? It's like the Pharaoh who was raised up when Joseph was in Egypt. Do you realize, I'm sure that if you were to look in the historical books of Egypt, you would find pages and pages written about what Joseph did to save that country. Pharaoh had a dream. No one could interpret it. This guy from prison came out of the prison. He was brought to the palace, interpreted the dream, gave the plan, and and Pharaoh put him in charge, and he saved the entire nation. Do you realize all the other nations had to come to Egypt to buy grain? Now, certainly that would have been recorded in history. But then a Pharaoh raises up who doesn't even know Joseph. He was ignorant. Don't be an ignorant generation. All right? Go to Acts chapter 2. Say, now we're turning the corner. We're going to get into the good stuff now. Right? I gave you your, your, your broccoli and Brussels sprouts. Now we're going to get into some good stuff. Remember, who gets to choose what generation you want to be? You choose. You make the choice. God says, I've set before you life or death, blessing and the curse. He said, I would that you choose life. God will never interfere with your choice. He never forces you to follow him. I mean, think about it. Jesus could have got Peter in a headlock and said, Peter, you're going to follow me. You're like the three students. Whoa, 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 boom. But he didn't do that, did he? He stood before him. He said, follow me. And once he said those two words, he didn't do anything else to make Peter follow him. Peter had to make a choice as to what he was going to do. (laughs) I mean, I like Elijah. He's instructed to anoint Elisha as prophet in his stead. You know, because Elijah had a pity party that he didn't want to leave. And the Lord met him in the cave and said, what are you doing here? He's in the wrong place, right? And uh, he says, oh, I'm the only one. <laughs> and God says, um, Elijah, there's 7,000 that haven't, oh, I bet that was news to Elijah. He thought he was the only one. How many ever, don't raise your hands, but have you ever been in a position where you thought you were the only one going through with what you're going through or experiencing what you're experiencing? You're not the only one. All right. So Elijah goes and anoints Elisha. Elisha's plowing on the 12th oxen. You know, the 12th yoke of oxen. And Elijah comes by in the field and throws his mantle on him. That was a sign. Everybody knew what that meant. Prophets wore a certain garment. Okay? And when that garment was given to someone else, God was calling that person into the ministry. And uh, Elijah said, well, let me go say goodbye to my parents. And Elijah said, what's that to me? You know? 
He's like, yeah, I mean. You know, God's in the free choice. All right, Acts 2.40. Peter solemnly testified and continued to admonish and urge them with many more words, saying, Be saved from this crooked and unjust generation. How many know that you could be in the midst of a wicked generation, but yet you could be saved? Joshua and Caleb. What kind of atmosphere were they in? Was that a faith-conducing atmosphere? I tell you what, in Joshua and Caleb's day, there weren't a whole lot of faith seminars. There was a whole lot of complaining, murmuring, and grumbling seminars. They were around a group of people for 40 years. They would see God do a miracle and complain about it the next day. God would do a miracle, they would complain. They even said, we're tired of this light bread. I'm, I'm telling you, bread that comes from heaven, you're calling it light, you're tired of it? But yet, Joshua and Caleb kept their faith. In, the, in other words, they did not blame their faith, their lack of faith on their circumstance. They used their faith to overcome their circumstance. Who got to go in? Joshua and Caleb and everyone behind them. What made the difference? Now, granted, they believed God from the beginning, but they didn't get to go in right away. Because they had to hang out with the other group. I mean, Joshua and Caleb could have said, well, the reason we're not in the promise is because of you all. All your complaints and murmuring and grumbling carrying on. That's why we're, but they didn't do that. They did not complain. They did not participate in the devil's newspaper. What's the devil's newspaper? The Complaining Chronicles. They chose not to participate. That's proof that they, you could be saved from a wicked and unjust generation. Don't blame your spiritual condition on the generation that you're in. Everybody has their own relationship with God. You've got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Amen? So it's time that we be saved from this generation. How many want to be saved? Amen? I want to have my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And it is. I know that it is. And if, you're, if you don't know that your name is, you need to know. And I can help you know today. How about, uh, how many Christians were with Joseph in Egypt when he went there as a slave? Well, he didn't actually go there. He ended up there. It's not like Joseph went to the travel agent and said, I want to see your latest vacation spots. No, his brothers sold him as a slave. He went when someone purchased him as a piece of property into a nation... I don't, know if he's ever been, I don't know if he was ever in Egypt at that time. But how many other believers were in Potiphar's house? How many other believers were in the prison? How many other believers were in the palace? Just Joseph. 
He did not let the evil of his generation get in him. You know, someone said this, it's good for a boat to be in the water, but not water to be in the boat. How many of you can have a boat that floats on the water and no water gets in, but if the water starts getting in the boat, you're in trouble. So many people have allowed the world's water to get in their boat. And that's why they're drowning. That's why they're sinking. You don't blame the bad things of your generation on your spiritual condition. You've got the power of God. You can make a difference. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Are you guys enjoying this? Philippians chapter 2. Verse 14. Do everything without what? Everybody say without. Did, Did he mean everything? When you're driving... That that would fall under everything, wouldn't it? Oh, I just touched a lot of toes, including my own. (laughs) Do everything without complaining. Amplified says, murmuring or questioning the providence of God. Verse 15, that you may prove yourselves to be what? Blameless. You can live in a crooked generation and not have any blame on you for being crooked. Isn't that what God wants us to live? He wants us to live above reproach. Right? Blameless. Innocent and uncontaminated children of God without blemish in the midst of a morally crooked and spiritual generation. Listen, we don't have to accept homosexuality. We do not have to accept abortion. I'm telling you, you don't need another law about guns. There's already a law that says thou shalt not murder. I think that's sufficient. Let's just enforce the law. Instead of adding another law, let's just enforce that law. Right? They don't need to control guns. They need to change hearts. All right, let's move on. Amplified says, you are seen as a bright light, as beacon shining out clearly in the world of darkness. Let me tell you something. Do you blend in with the darkness or do you stand out in the darkness? It all depends on what's shining on in you. Has Jesus flicked your bick? Has Jesus sparked your flame? Do you know that when you put your faith in Jesus, you become like the Olympic flame, eternal? Right? They carry that flame. They pass it from one person to the next person. Then they light that big flame, right? And it's burning, burning, burning. That's how God wants us to be. He's the source of the flame. Right? The Word is His fuel. If you want your light to burn brighter, put some more fuel on the fire. (laughs) Amen? All right. Verse 16, holding out offering to everyone the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to rejoice because I did not run my race in vain. Let's let's not run our race in vain. All right. Let's make a decision. I don't care if you're eight or 80. Right. Let's let's 
If you're 80, let's just kick it up a notch and run as strong as we can. Amen? If you're 8, let's just learn from the 80s. Right? The 80-year-olds, right? We, we got to learn from that generation. Amen? Aren't you glad that BCF is a place where generations... Be? You know, our, our, the next generation, they carry a lot of load in this place. They're cutting the grass. They're doing our sound. They run our cameras. Right? They work in our kitchen. They do a lot. Thank God for them. And some of us others ought to step up and help them. You know, we had one, one case where the, the teenagers come and the family followed. You talk about changing your generation. Amen? Hallelujah. Just because a generation is wicked and evil, you don't have to be. Right? All right, you, you want to be, this is my last and final point. Oh, actually, yeah. Three more points. <laughs> you know, I'm com- commencing to fix, you know, yeah, my last category. All right, you want to be a righteous generation. Listen to the description of Noah in Genesis 6. These are the records. Everybody say the records. You know, God's recording our genera- what our generation does and what our generation says in heaven. These are the records of the generations, the family history of Noah. Noah was what? He was a righteous man. One who was just and had right standing with God, blameless in all of his evil generation. Noah walked with God and fellowship with God. That's what we need to be. We need to be a righteous generation. One that believes God. One that walks with God. One that follows God. Amen? We've got to be a God follower. Why? The devil will lead you to a pit. He'll lead you to destruction. The world can't lead you. They're ill-equipped. They have no power. The only one who can lead you is the good shepherd, Jesus. So we've got to be a righteous generation. God is with the consistently righteous generation. All right? You need to be an upright generation. Everybody say upright. upright. Go to Psalm 112. Psalm 112. Ten verses. Can you handle ten verses? All right. Because there's another section. Psalm 112. See, I almost gave you the last section now, but I would have spoiled the icing on the cake. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears God. The upright generation fears God. And worships him. Who delights greatly in his commandments. The upright generation delights greatly. Everybody say greatly. In the word of God. Right? Verse 2. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. Listen. You you can have mighty descendants or you can have weak descendants. You know, some righteous kings produce wicked offspring and some wicked kings produce righteous offspring. If you read the book of Kings and Chronicles... Verse 3, 
Wealth and riches, or no, I forgot the most, the generation of the upright will be blessed. How many want to be blessed? Then let's be upright. What does upright mean? You're right with God. You're right in the attitude of God. You're right in your worship with God. You're right in your respect with God. And you, you're right in your own personal integrity. Amen? We always had a rule in our house. And because when we got, before we got our house, Fiona and I, we prayed for a house that we could entertain in. And God gave us a house. We have three full bathrooms. We have our bathroom, master bathroom. We have a guest bathroom. And we have a bathroom downstairs. Although when you get to the Gabriel's size, it doesn't really work too well because the shower is small. But it has a shower and a toilet, right? And uh, so, over the years, we have entertained people. People have stayed at our house for long periods of time. Friends of ours, people that we know. And we've always had this rule. It doesn't matter what you're doing on a Sunday, you will be in church. If it's not this church, you'll be in another church. That's our rule. Everybody say, my rule. Right? Why? Because we want to establish the generation of the righteous. Amen? And righteous people, when they're able, when they can, you know what they do? They celebrate with other believers. Right? Okay, verse 3, wealth and riches are in his house. Does being upright pay? Yes, it does. And his righteousness endures forever. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, compassionate, and righteous. It is well with the man who is gracious and lends. Now, you know you've got to have something to lend before you lend it, right? Well, it's possible. Okay? And... Uh, he conducts all of his affairs with justice. He will never be shaken. Hallelujah, I'm never shaken. Not even in the midst of a pandemic. I'm not shaken, amen. I'm never shaken. I'm not shaken in a famine. I'm not shaken in a storm. I'm not shaken when I'm all alone. Hallelujah, why? Because I know who, whose I am. I'm never shaken. I'm stirred, but I'm never shaken. You know, the Bible says, stir yourself, stir yourself up. Stir yourself up. <laughs> he will not fear bad news. You know that woman who built a room for the prophet? After she built a room, the prophet said, what can we do for the lady? She, she wanted a son. She didn't have one. So guess what? They had a son. But guess what? Well, the son had a bad experience, right? Injured his head. And uh, they brought him to his mama. And what was her response? It is well. It is well. And she put him on the, put him on, on the donkey, got him to the prophet, into that room, right? And what happened? The boy was raised to the dead. Yeah, it, it would be bad news to hear that that happened to your son. But you know what? We don't fear bad news. In other words, my first response is not fear. Stop, drop, and pray. And then let God work everything else out. All right? All right. My final point. This is my final point. This is the kind of generation that God wants us to be. How many want to be this generation? It's a generation that communicates 
to the next generation. It's the one who tells the gospel story. It's the one who passes on the knowledge of God to the up and coming generation. Listen to these scriptures. All right. Psalm 22. Psalm 22, verses 30 and 31. Posterity will serve him. They will tell of the Lord to the next generation. How many want to tell to the Lord? Amen? You've got to have something to tell. In order to have something to tell, you've got to know the Lord so that you can tell it to someone else. Amen? Hallelujah! They will come and declare His righteousness to a people not yet born. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! That's why we have kids' life, to teach our kids about living in faith every day. That's why we have an Air Force. Did you know that we have an Air Force? We've got Captain Nelson and Captain Nadine who are leading our Air Force, right? Our, our youth pastors. Amen? Our Air Force. That's for our young teenagers. And we have Sunday morning, Wednesday night, we have ministry for women, ministry for men. Amen? We have, we're reaching out into our schools. We, we've got Bible, we've got kids from Bible Adventure who come, who've been coming to church on Sundays for a couple months now. Amen? And we, guess what? They're, they're going to change their families. Yeah, let the kids come because we know who's coming after them. They're going to go home with that power, with that explosiveness, with that dunamis, and the parents are going to say, I've got to get connected with that place. Psalm 48, Psalm 48, verses 11 to 14. Psalm 48, 11 to 14. Let Mount Zion be glad. Guess what? Who's Mount Zion? That's you and I. We are the church. Amen? Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your righteous judgments. Walk about Zion. Go around her. Count her towers. That's also referring to the city of Jerusalem. Count her ramparts. Go through her palaces that you may tell the next generation about her glory. Whew, we got, we got some things to tell the next generation. Amen? God wants us to declare his strength to the next generation. He wants us to share his power with the next generation. I'm so glad that we got some young people who know how to yield and flow and move and respond to the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Brother Hagin said, the last part of his ministry, he traveled around the churches. And he said, the Lord led him to have Holy Ghost meetings because he said, if we don't teach about the move of the Holy Ghost, that a generation will be lost about it. And thank God that he did that. And thank God that I learned from that. And then I'm able to pass it on to the next generation. Amen. God wants to move in his people. We don't just give you last rites. We give you food for life. Amen? Psalm 78, verse 4. We will not hide them from their children, but we will tell, the, tell it to the generation to come. The praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. 
Tell his great, tell of his great might and power and his wonderful works. Amen. Hallelujah. Our God's done some great things and we are glad. We got to tell it to the next generation. Tell it to your grandkids. Tell it to your children. Well, they don't want to listen. Tell it anyway. Let the Holy Spirit work it out. We've got something to communicate. It's called good news. The greatest story ever told. We've got some things to publish. Psalm 89, verses 1 and 2 says, With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness from generation. Everybody say, my mouth. God wants to use your mouth to tell people about God, especially your children. Because there's nothing else that's going to break a curse. There's nothing else that's going to heal them or deliver them. Amen? We have to be the generation that communicates to the next generation. That's why I like that phrase, hell shaker. Are you that generation? If you're that generation, say, I'm that generation. Stand up to your feet. Hallelujah. Stand up to your feet. We got to record some things for the next generation. Don't just give your kids nice things of this world. Give them the good news of Jesus. Amen? So what generation are you going to be? Are you going to be the generation that follows after God with your whole heart? You know, Miss Joan, the devil tried to destroy your generation. Can you stand up for just a second? Father, I just thank you right now for filling her with your love and your goodness and your grace. Lord, you saved her. You brought her out in the name of Jesus. You brought her to a promised land. Lord, and I thank you, Lord, that you're working mightily in her in the name of Jesus. Your love, your goodness, your grace is upon her and it's flowing mightily to her in the name of Jesus. Say this, Ms. Jones, say, I love. Say, I love. Say, I love. Say, I love Jesus. Say, I love Jesus. He brought you into a good place. He's doing great work. And he wants you free, free, free. Strong, strong, strong. You're going to have a great finish. Amen? A great finish. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What generation are you going to be? Are you going to be the one that forsakes God? Are you going to be the one that follows God? Are you going to be the one that believes in God? Or are you going to be the one that denies God? Are you going to be the one that communicates to the next generation? Or are you going to be silent? And guess what? We communicate with our mouth and our lifestyle. How we live. You can change the way you live. If you haven't been living right, you can change it right now in the name of Jesus. God wants to reach those unsaved loved ones. How many of you got some unsaved loved ones? Raise up your hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now that you send laborers to our our loved ones, to our relatives, Lord. Send people full of the Holy Ghost, full of your word. 
full of wisdom and full of your love that can communicate to them, that they can hear, that they can respond to, Lord. Open the eyes of our unsaved loved ones right now. We plead the blood of Jesus over them. And we thank you, Lord, that you're doing great and mighty things. God wants you and your household. But you know what? In order for the Philippian jailer to save his household, they had to hear the gospel. So you know what he did? He had Paul and Silas, after he bandaged his wounds, come in and share the gospel. And guess what? The whole house got saved. And to all scholarly, uh, they all, a lot of them agree that the jailer was the pastor of the church of Philippi. Who wrote, who, what the book of Philippians was written to? The jailer became the pastor. What a testimony. I want you to be honest about this question. If you're not right with God, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. If you're watching and if you're not right with God, you can make a fresh commitment right now. If you're not right with God and you need to just make a fresh commitment, I want you to raise your hand. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that if there's anybody watching me, Lord, and they want to be a generation of the righteous, they want to be an upright generation, they want to be a generation who communicates to the next one. Lord, I thank you that they are embracing your way and embracing your move right now. I pray for them. I pray if you've heard this message, whenever you're going to hear it, that the Holy Spirit will touch you and he will draw you to himself because we lift up Jesus in this place. Give your heart over to Jesus. Surrender your life to Jesus. Let him instruct you, lead you, and guide you. And Father, I pray for these here, Lord Jesus. They've heard this message today. And I thank you, Lord, that they have chosen Jesus. They have chosen the way of righteousness. They have chosen the way of the Lord. If you've chosen that, say amen. Say hallelujah. And begin to praise God. Celebrate that choice. You made the right choice. You made the right choice. Hallelujah. And don't be envious when the next generation gets further along than you were at that stage. I'm so blessed by my sons. They have made so much more progress than I did when I was their ages. And now they're starting a new season. Today is the day of a new season, a new and fresh anointing. If you need a fresh anointing right now, it's available to you. Just reach up and grab it in the name of Jesus and say, Thank you, Lord, for your fresh touch in my life, in my mind, in my body. I declare that every sick person is whole right now in the name of Jesus. The enemy will not take any person. 
the generation that believes in divine healing. We are the generation that knows that God's word is health and medicine to all of our flesh. We are the generation that believes God's word. Hallelujah. When God said no harm will come near me, he meant it. And I believe it. I thank you, Lord, for a quick, a quickening. You're quickening every mortal body. In the name of Jesus. Say this with me. Lord Jesus, I'm committed to following you and doing your will for my life. I surrender anything that's not of you. I surrender my whole being that you will use me as an instrument of righteousness. I will serve you. I will sit at your feet and learn from you. Your word is my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I've never preached a message about generations, but there's always the first time, amen. Hope you got something out of this today. You know what? If anything, don't quit. It's no time to check out early. Oh, it's too hard. It's too weird. No. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday. Have a great week.